All right, back again for another Cash Medi podcast. Tonight we're going to be strictly talking about the San Diego Padres and most importantly the rebuild and how it's going and what I think is going to happen for next year. But before we get started, let's get on with the sponsor, Winning La Jolla. Don't forget to visit La Jolla Chevron, an extra mile convenience store at 7475 La Jolla Boulevard, La Jolla, California. All right, so I see a lot of people on Twitter you know, getting upset at the Padres and stuff, and I'm upset. I mean, the team's 55-64 and 64 after today's win, and I think they should be better than what they are. But some people are making it like, how, how could they compete next year? There's no chance, this and that. Uh, there's no way they're going to be competing for a wild card. Not going to have a chance at the playoffs. they got so many holes, this and that. I, I don't think they have that many holes, to be honest with you. I think they got to, you know, you get one starting pitcher, I think, can help out, and you know, feel, feel a few things here and there. And the reason why the main thing I see is a bunch of players have the arrows pointing up. I mean, just look at the rookies that they have this year. You got Fernando Tatis, and I'll get into his injuries uh, later. He got hurt yesterday. But Tatis, I mean, the, the kid's batting 317. He has 22 home runs. Great, you know, defensive player. I mean, he makes some throwing errors, you know, uh, Every time he throws it away, somehow Hosmer gets blamed, and I'll explain that later. But, you know, he's having a phenomenal season. If he never got hurt, he would have been runaway rookie of the year. He's having one of the best rookie seasons of all time. He's only 20 years old. He's only going to get better. Um, you got some concerns. You know, I'll just get into his injuries now. You got some concerns with his injuries because he got hurt last year. With the thumb sliding into second base, he got hurt beginning of the year this year, stretching with his growing, and now he he tweaks his back a little bit. I don't know how serious his back is, but he went on the IL and is going to be gone at least ten games or ten days. And to be honest, his injuries it might actually help him because if the Padres offer him an extension, you know, in a year or two. He might say, I better take it now because if I continue to get hurt, my value is just going to, I'm never going to get that real huge payday. Uh, I mean, he might get a good payday, but if you continue to miss a lot of games here and there, you ain't going to get the, you know, three, four hundred million dollar contract. I could just tell you that. So maybe if they look at him now and just say, hey, we'll take the gamble that we think you're going to play 140 games plus every season or close to it. And even if you have one season where you miss, you know, half of the season, we think it will be worth it. Maybe still give him an extension in somewhat, you know, give him a 10-year deal. I don't know, $200 million or something, whatever, somewhere in that range. Maybe he'll take it. I don't know. Because he, if you get offered like $200 million with his injury concerns right now, he might take it. Because if he waits, he waits six years, and he, if he has, if he has, you know, a couple big injuries, then he, his value is not going to be as high as you would expect of a talent as his. Now, I don't think. I mean, it's kind of fluke injuries, you know. The way he plays, he's going to get hurt. The way he's diving around, the way he's sliding, he's going to get hurt this way. But he's only twenty years old. I think he can. You know, a lot of people bag on Machado. Oh, he's Johnny Hustle. You know what? That guy doesn't get hurt, man. And I think Tatis needs to learn. Look, this latest injury was just swinging the bat. I mean, that's just a fluke injury. There's nothing you could do. He swung the bat. He hurt his hurt his back. I mean, that that happens. Um, 
But the way he's diving around everywhere, it's hard to tell him to stop doing it because he makes a lot of great plays and the effort's always there. But you might want to tell him to tone it down a little bit. And then it, it might, for the long run, it might be better. So that's the first rookie. That's the first huge building block that they have, obviously, with Machado. But I'm just saying, where guys' arrows are going to be pointing up. This is I'm just talking about the rookies right now. Mejia, that guy's up to 279 for his batting average. Looks really comfortable. Basically, the second time since he came back from, you know, being sent down where Andy Green would play him only once every five days. And then, you know, he had no rhythm at the beginning of the season. I think Andy Green totally fucked him. Um, then he got hurt. No one said he was hurt. And then they sent him down to the AAA for a little while. I don't know what it was, a month. And then ever since they brought him back up, he's, he's looked like a totally different player. I think he's getting better defensively. I think, you know, that that's just going to continue to improve. I don't think he'll ever be really good defensively. Maybe, maybe he'll be average. Uh, the thing I see on him is there's a lot of pass balls and then the framing – I think he's getting better and better at the framing. But the pass balls is is concerning to me. But I think, I mean, that's something you could work on. And the way he's hitting, the way he's driving the baseball, um, seems like he's actually got a decent eye now. He's not chasing everything. And, I mean, the guy can hit. He has one of the best bass speeds I've ever seen. He can flat out hit. He's such an improvement from Hedges. Hedges is an automatic out. This guy's an actual hitter. Like, it's not just that he's just, well, he's not an automatic out. This guy can actually hit. Like, like 279 right now. I mean, I could see him, you know, in the next couple of years being a consistent 290, 310 hitter. I mean, I think he can be that good. He sprays the ball, you know. The only concern is he might swing at too many pitches, so the batting average will be won't be as high as what it should be and he's you know if he ever learns how to draw some more walks he's gonna be a really good player then you got Josh Naylor he's only hitting 239 but if you ever notice when he first came up he wasn't walking and he was swinging at everything and in the minor leagues he walked a ton and I was shocked that when he came up how much of a free swinger he was well lately now that he's playing more because I felt like he kind of got dicked over by Andy Green too he got called up and never really played. And then when he played, he probably felt like there was a lot of pressure on him that he had to get two, three hits so that he could play the next day. So he was swinging, a free swinger. He was expanding the zone. And now that he, he's come up the second time, he went down for a little bit, and he's come up the second time, he is walking, um, being much more selective at the plate, and he looks like a really nice hitter. I could see him being a 275, 25 home run guy. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be like a 30, 35 home run guy. He might have one career year where he hits 30. I don't think he's going to be a 35, 40 home run guy ever. I don't see him with that pop. But I see him being a really good hitter that can hit, you know. I can see him hitting 300, you know, for his prime years or what have you. He sprays the ball. He goes to left field. He can pull it. He's got real good back control. I mean, that guy can hit, and he's going to have a good high on-base percentage. The problem with Naylor is, where do you play him? You can't play him at first base. He's blocked by Hosmer, and then he's really he's really bad defensively. If he could get a little bit better defensively in the outfield, then you have a player there. But again, arrow pointing up. Luis Urias, same thing. When he first came up, wasn't playing every, every day, 
was totally getting overmatched. I was concerned about his bat speed. Um, I'm still a little concerned on it, but the second time he's come up, he's been a totally different player. He was hitting under 100 before. He's brought his average up to 186, and it sounds like that's still a terrible batting average. But from what it was, I mean, he couldn't get a hit before. I mean, it was pretty bad. And now that it's up to 186, and his on-base percentage is at 352, which is really impressive. So if you could get him to continue that on-base percentage, you know, be a 360, 370 on-base percentage guy, and he whatever he hits, 240, 250, you got a high on-base percentage, that's what they need. They need him to get on base, okay? And everybody has, has their roles. Certain guys need to drive and run. Certain guys need to get on base. He needs to get on base. I would love for him to be the potential leadoff hitter next year. Just work that on-base percentage, 370, try to get 380, something like that. Um, you know, hit over 250, it would be great. I mean, he looks a lot more comfortable the second time around because he's playing every day. He doesn't feel like, hey, if I go 0 for 4 or 3 strikeouts, I'm not going to play tomorrow. No, he feels like he's going to play the next day. Uh, and he just looks totally com- more comfortable. He's not chasing that high inside fastball where he can't handle it. He's laying off that pitch. And, you know, the pitch is away. He's going away with it. And he's turning on that inside fastball a lot more with, with a lot more authority as he's pulled a couple down the line. He, he was having trouble pulling the ball down the line or, or with any authority the first time he was up. But he's starting to make pitchers, you know, if they make a mistake in the zone, he, he's starting to make them pay for it. So he looks like a totally different player. Um, and then they got pitching. These are all just rookies that I'm talking about. Paddock. Paddock's got an ERA of 3.26. He looks like a really, really good number three or a pretty good number two. That's I'm talking just right now. For his future, he's got a chance to probably be an ace. I don't know if he'll ever be an ace, but he's most likely going to be a really good number two or a great three, whatever, whatever it is. You got Quantrill, who... Looked terrible in the minor leagues throughout his career. Was throwing like 91-92. Fastball's flat. Now he's coming up here and he's throwing 95-96 with movement. And he's got three three pitches. All of them are really good pitches. Slider, fastball now. He's got life to it. His slider, you know, tails away on right-handers. Change up away on left-handers. I mean, he looks like a totally different pitcher. He looks like a number two or a number three. Then you got Munoz in the bullpen. He's struggling a little bit lately. I kind of predicted that. I said the first basically go around, he would mow the guys down, and then guys would kind of figure him out a little bit that you need to take pitches and try to uh, get ahead in the count. Uh, His biggest concern is basically just his control. But if he's got control, then you're fucking toast because he's throwing 100 miles an hour and he's dropping that slider. He looks like he's a future, at least for next year, a pretty good number eight or seventh inning guy. And then probably after Yates leaves after next year, then probably your closer. And he's only 20 years old. Baez, I believe, is 23 years old. He's come up. He has a 2-5-3 ERA. And that's only because he gave up a couple runs the other day. Otherwise, every outing, he's given up no runs prior to that. So Baez looks like a stud. I just named eight rookies, all of them in this second half, have looked like totally 
or or are showing you what they have. When you have a rookie class like that, I mean, who else is who else is bringing a rookie class like that? You got the best rookie in baseball. Now, I don't know. He's not going to win rookie of the year now that he got hurt, but who cares? Nobody – there's not one player, not one GM in baseball that wouldn't take Tatis as the rookie if he had, he had to select any rookie. There's not one GM in baseball that probably wouldn't take Tatis if you're building a franchise the first player. As of right now, the next 10 years, well, name one player you would take. They'd probably take Tatis, number one, because he could do everything. Power. Uh, average speed defense arm all of that shit you know half uh, Barry Bloom that fucking idiot said you know decent arm no he's got a fucking cannon oh he doesn't have pop he's got 22 home runs he's a rookie and he's missed you know what has he missed about 30 percent of the games so he would have close to 30 home runs and he's just a rookie he's 20 years old you know, I mean, nobody else has got this type of young uh, talent like this where you got this many good rookies. So I don't know why so many people are so concerned going into next year. I mean, next year, the main thing people are concerned about is starting pitching. Personally, I'm not, I'm not concerned about starting pitching. I'm more concerned if they can find a veteran reliever to help them out. Because you go into next year, if they don't make one, if they don't make one move to getting starter pitching, I think they have enough from the starters going into next year. That's how high I am now on Quantrill. I wasn't high on Quantrill. I totally missed on that. I know a lot of other people did. Of course, most of them never say that they did. But I'll admit that I missed on Quantrill. But look look what you're going to have going into next year. You could have Paddock, who looks like a number two. He should be a number two by next year. You could have Gore. Now, he's going to be a rookie, but... I'll be shocked if he's not a really good number three just for next year. I think I think he'll have a better rookie season than what Paddock has had this year. Then you got Quantrill, looks like a number two or a number three. You got Lament. I think Lament's like a he's like a four. You know, I mean, he's got potential to be like a two because his stuff is so good, but he's so inconsistent with his control that it's tough. You know, to put him higher than like a four, then you would have one other spot open. Okay, you could say Garrett Richards. I don't know if people, you know, change the Padres and others think he's he's done and his career's over. I, I don't see it that way. I think he's got a chance to pitch next year. Now, am I counting on him to throw 150, 200 innings next year? No. Would I? Am I really necessarily counting on him? No. But he's got a shot, and if he does pitch. You know, let's say he throws 20 starts, only 20 starts next year. That'll help. Um, you could go get a veteran. You, you should be able to, I think they should trade, you know, get a bona fide starter. But I'm just saying, even if they don't, then you would have Lucchese, Lauer, and maybe, excuse me, maybe even Moron. I mean, I don't think Moron's ready to start. But if you go... If you go through a season where all those guys are kind of moving around, either getting starts or or in the bullpen, what what have you? I mean, you have four guys that I just named right there. And that's without getting any any acquisition in the offseason. So I think starting pitching is not going to be a problem next year. The only guy on the lim- innings limit would be Gore, and really Gore's not really on an innings limit. He threw 120 innings this year, so. 
He could easily throw another 40. That's 160. He's probably not going to get over that anyways, even if you wanted him to get over that. So you're not going to have an innings limit. You're not going to have an innings limit on Paddock. You're not going to have an innings limit on Quantrill. You're not going to have an innings limit on Lament because he's already come back this year. The only innings limit guy you would have is is Clayton Richards. And another thing is, not Clayton Richards, uh, Garrett Richards. And another thing is, is a guy like Lucchese could either be a starter or bullpen. Lauer, starter or bullpen. And let's go to the bullpen. This, this, this one's a little more concerning to me is you're going to have Yates, and you can't expect Yates to have the same type of season that he has, has had this year. So I would see a little bit of a decline there. He's not going to fall off the face of the earth, but he's not going to have the season that he's had this year. I could see Munoz, you know, he's still a question mark because, I mean, he's got great stuff and everything, but he hasn't really proven it. So, but I would bet on him. I would bet on him being a really good either seventh inning or eighth inning guy. You got Baez. I'm really, really high on Baez, and I feel very comfortable with Baez. I think Baez coming off the back injuries from last year, I think next year he'll even be better. I think you could use him next year back-to-back nights. They haven't used him back-to-back nights. I don't believe. Maybe they have once, but you're going to feel a lot more comfortable using, and that would probably be your seventh inning guy. And then you got Castillo coming back, hopefully. Um, I mean, that's four... That's four guys or three setup guys I feel very comfortable all season long going in to set up Yates. Then you could have Strom. Strom, I believe, is going to have a much better year than he's had this year. I think him going to the starting role, I think, kind of wore him down. And then he, he went back to the bullpen. He looked pretty good. But I think he's worn down this year, throwing a lot more innings probably you know, than what he's accustomed to, at least at this time of the year. And then... I think if he's strictly a bullpen guy, you know, two innings, you know, that that fifth, sixth inning type of guy, if the guy only goes five innings, you could get it to Strom. He could go to sixth and seventh, get it to your setup guy for the eighth, you know, whoever didn't pitch the night before or what have you. Uh, Morahan, I think, could be into the into the uh, uh, bullpen next year. I would like to see him back in the minor leagues for at least half of the season and then you know, but at least he has a chance to be there. I mean, his stuff is electric. We've all seen his stuff. It's all the composure from him. You know, trying to be a little more, a little more mature and just a little more seasoned there. I think Winnington. I think he'll get better. And then Perdomo's had a pretty good season. The bullpen's going to be a lot better, and that's without getting anyone. So what I'm trying to say is everything. I don't see how guys are going to have down years or anything. I don't – everyone, like the arrow's pointing up on people. You could say Yates, like the arrow probably – you could bank on Yates not having the season that he had this year. I could see that, but he's not going to fall off the face of the earth. Um, everyone else should be better. Paddock should be better. Qualtrill should be better. Lament should be better. Gore's going to be better than what you had, you know, Lucchese and Lauer types and Marco Vicious at the beginning of the season. Um, you know, and hopefully the main thing that you're going to have different is a manager. If you have a different manager that knows how to use the actual fucking bullpen, then, I mean, I think Andy Green's probably cost him five to seven games minimum, if not 10. I mean, I think he's that bad of a manager. I think he's terrible. Um, I've given my thoughts on it. I'm not going to just, you know, keep babbling about it, but 
he's just not a good manager. I mean, he doesn't know how to do the bullpen, and that's the main thing. He just doesn't know how to do the bullpen. It's just constantly where I'm like, why are you using this guy in this situation? You know, like even today, they were up four. Perdomo gets it out in the seventh. They get out of the seventh. They're up four, and he brings in Munoz. And it's like, why are you why are you wasting Munoz right here? Just let Perdomo pitch the eighth. So you don't have to waste Munoz. And, it, you know, he'll probably just say, well, I got tomorrow off, and, um, you know, I could use Munoz on Friday. Sure, you can. But you used Munoz yesterday, and you used him today, and I, I don't feel like you had to use him today. And if you use him, let's say Friday, they're only up one and they go into the eighth. Who's the one guy you're going to want to use? Munoz, right? Well, then now he's going to pitch three out of four games. Instead of, you didn't need him today and he'd be pitching two out of four games. It's just stuff like that that I just don't understand. Um, He does it all year long and I notice shit like that. He's cost him. He he doesn't know how to manage the bullpen. I think that's pretty evident. Uh, It... Whether Barry Bloom is correct and and he's lost the team, I don't know. I think Barry Bloom's full of shit, but he could be right in this situation. Who knows? Um, But you get a manager, you get Joe Madden or something. I would love to get Joe Madden. I would even take Joe Girardi. I don't think Joe Girardi's that great of a manager. I don't know. I mean, for me to really judge a manager, I would have to see it for two, three seasons and see it daily. That's why I knew, you know, I never – said much on Andy Green the first two years. It was last year I started asking for his head to be fired. Um, or at least brought it up. And then this year, it's just, he needs to be fired. He can't come back. You, you need to get a proven manager. I think the direction of the team will change. And I see these people, you know, that are into the computer numbers and the war and all that stuff. And that's fine. I, I'm not into it. But, you know, that doesn't mean that I'm right and they're wrong. But these guys are like, well, where are you going to get five more or, or ten more war? How are you going to do that? One of the big things that's going to change next year is Machado. Machado's having a down year, dude. I mean, he's hitting like 260, and I told everyone he would struggle the first two months at least. But I think it's taken its toll on him the whole season. You know, Hosmer had a terrible season last year offensively, and I think it took its toll on him too. They signed so fucking late that it just ruins their whole offseason. You just imagine an offseason that they probably start working out, I don't know, maybe in December or any time that they start. December, they start working out, they start hitting, they start doing this, they start doing whatever the routine is. It's going to be the same routine probably year in and year out. You might adjust it a little bit different. Maybe the trainer says, hey, let's try this now or what have you. But... When you're a free agent, you don't know where you're going to play. You don't know where you're going to be. You you don't. You got your wife telling you, "I want to be over here." You got agent. I'm getting offers here. I mean, your head's spinning. His head was probably spinning. Both of them, all off season. They didn't know. It's just it's just different. And I think it takes its toll on them. And the whole season, it feels like Machado's timing is just off. Well, I think it's because he he basically had. A totally different offseason. So I think Machado coming into next year is going to have way different numbers. I would project he has his best season as a Padre next year. So you're going to get much production out of that. Or different production there. Um, 
I think one guy that offensively might go down a little bit is Hosmer because Hosmer's having a really good season. I'm going to get into that. At least offensively, he's having a really good season. Defensively, he's not having a good season. But like I said, guys like Tatis, Mejia, uh, Urias, I mean, those guys are going to be starters. There are All the arrows are pointing up. I've already gone over the pitching. All those arrows are pointing up. I don't see anyone, you know, arrow pointing down. No one's getting out of their prime and going to get older or anything like that. And another thing is Will Myers. I'm not a big fan of Will Myers, but there's no way he's going to have this bad of a season. So he'll probably bounce back next year and hit 250 and hit 20, 25 home runs, whatever he does. Um, I just, I don't see who's going to, well, you got a career year out of that guy and you can't expect that. The only guy I see that from is Yates. So when people say, oh, well, where are you going to get 10 more war? I mean, I don't really care about the war shit, but it's pretty it's pretty easy to see who's going to do better than what they did this year. I mean, it's pretty obvious, you know, or or at least I think it's a reasonable expectation for most of these guys to have better seasons than they had last year. Now, one thing that I'm transitioning to is that's kind of pissing me off on Padre Twitter is this narrative on Eric Hosmer. If you don't like Eric Hosmer as a player, that's fine. If you don't think he's good, that's fine to me. If if you don't think he's worth the contract, which I don't. I don't think he was ever worth the contract. I wanted to sign Eric Hosmer. I just didn't want it for $144 million in eight years. But at that time, I felt like they really, really needed a bat, especially a left-handed bat. And I felt it was worth the gamble because I felt like they had so many good young players coming up that... If they front-loaded the shit out of the contract, it wouldn't really cost them that. It wouldn't really hurt them in in their run. And look, he's having a really good year offensively. And for some reason, these computer guys just continue to just crush this guy. And he's having a bad year defensively. I, I agree with that. He has not been good defensively. I don't know what happened to him defensively. He's been totally different than what he was for the Royals. I thought last year he was okay defensively. I don't think he was good, but he wasn't what he is this year. This year he's been really bad. But the problem that really pisses me off is this narrative. Every fucking time someone throws a ball over there, and Tatis did it the other night, where it was totally an inaccurate throw, Padre Twitter blames Eric Hosmer. And there was two guys that I went at it on Twitter, and I'm not going to name their names because they're not here to defend themselves. I think that's chicken shit if I, you know, blast them on on my podcast and then they can't, you know, defend themselves. But there was two guys, and one in particular, like the guy had continued for a long time, kept saying every throw that was over there, oh, why didn't Hosmer stretch here? Why didn't he scoop this? Or why didn't he get off the bag here and stop this? And, you know, and it just was like, I just feel like the guy was totally just either is 100% biased and he's just believing these narratives or I, I, I just don't get it. Like, if you don't like a player, that doesn't mean that the player's wrong. Tatis threw the ball inaccurate. It was on Tatis. And then it's, well, Hosmer wasn't in position to get it. Hosmer's right there. He's on the bag. These guys show me a picture. Well, the, the ball's being thrown. He's not on the bag yet. He's getting to the bag. So when he turns, the ball... But he's gonna. When he turned to catch the ball, he was in position. So it doesn't fucking matter when exactly he gets there. He was there. 
the ball was inaccurate throw. And then guys are going back and forth on me on Twitter saying, you know, oh, we're not really blaming him. We're just saying he wasn't in position, this and that. And then they're arguing with me, and they, they bring up his WRC+. plus. What the fuck does his WRC plus have to do with that play? Then they're bringing up his war. What the fuck does his war have to do with that play? It doesn't matter if you if you like a player or not. You can, you can not like a player. I don't really like Will Myers. I don't think he's that good. I don't think he hustles. I don't think he, uh, you know, I just, I'm not really a Will Myers fan. But if Will Myers fucking, um, you know, hits, hits a home run or something, I don't say, oh, well, or, you know, makes a diving catch. I don't say, no, nope, no, nope, he didn't really make a diving catch. Well, you know, I don't make up the – I don't – I just – every play is – you have to judge every play. It doesn't matter if you like the guy or not. You know, if Tom Brady – New England Patriots fans think Tom Brady, you know, can't, can't do anything wrong. When Tom Brady throws an interception, most likely it's on him. You know, Charger fans do this shit all the time, too. Rivers will throw an interception, and they love Rivers so much that they can't blame Rivers. They're like, oh, the receiver ran the wrong route. It's like, no, he threw an interception. It was on him. He had time. He threw an interception. Sometimes you get rushed, and, you know, it's your own line's fault, and sometimes the receiver does do the wrong route. But a lot of times, it's just on the play, dude. Like, I love Tatis. He's my favorite player. But when Tatis makes an error, and he makes a throwing error, it's on him. It's not on Hosmer. He's not fucking Inspector Gadget and says, go Gadget Arms. Like, I'm just sick of that narrative. And it's just building and it's building. And it's just, it's really, it's hard to take guys serious on Padre Twitter sometimes because it's it's like, Urias can do no wrong. Hosmer can do no right. You got, you got, a, fan, you got a fan base, uh, there's like 10 or 15 of them that Will Myers can do no wrong. You know? And it's just stupid. It's just this favoritism to certain players. And I like certain players over other players. But I'm all rooting for them to succeed. I think a lot of people are rooting for Hosmer. on Pod- I think a lot of Padre fans are rooting for Hosmer to do bad. So that they could say, I told you I didn't want that contract. That's the dumbest fucking thing. And a lot of those people that said that shit, that said they didn't want Hosmer... A lot of it is, well, we, we had a first base and we had Will Myers. Will Myers fucking is hitting like 230. Never gets a clutch hit. Never gets a big hit. Played worse defense than Hosmer. And, you, you know, I feel like you're, you're blaming Hosmer and for everything. And it's just, it's just dumb. It's just really dumb. And one thing that, that I don't really understand really is WRC+. I mean, I get it. It's creating runs. I get what the formula, but I don't get how they how they score it. Because let's let's take for example Renfro and Hosmer. If you ask Padre Twitter and the computer guys, they're going to say Renfro's had a better year offensively than Hosmer. And I don't even think it's really close that Hosmer's had a, a much better. When when people when I I think of a situation, I'd rather have Hosmer up than Renfro. The only time I'd rather have Renfro up is when there's no one on. Because Renfro, much better chance Renfro's going to hit a solo home run. You look at WRC Plus, up-to-dated today. Hosmer's at 105 and Renfro's at 110. If you ask Padre Twitter or computer guys, how do you judge a player offensively? They just think WRC Plus. Okay, I mean, I don't look at it just WRC Plus. I think 
I don't know. I think it, it might have some merit to it. I, I'm trying to find out if I like it or not. I really, at this time, I still don't like it. Because look, on base percentage, Hosmer, 334. On base percentage, Renfro, 296. HRs, Hosmer, 18. Renfro, 31. And there's where I think the whole big thing comes on WRC Plus and on War is they give way too much value on a solo home run. If you're hitting a solo home run, you're you're driving in one fucking run. It's one run, dude. It's not that big of a deal. But it moves up your slugging percentage. It moves up your OPS. And I feel like people overrate that kind of shit. Because how many times have we seen Renfro come up with runners on? Do you feel comfortable when Renfro's up? I sure the fuck don't. When Hosmer's got runners on, I feel very comfortable. He's probably the most comfortable I feel on any Padre. RBIs. Renfro, 81. Hos- I'm sorry. Hosmer, 81. Renfro, 61. People tell me, well, RBIs doesn't matter, Craig. Because RBIs is only, you know, it matters how how many times people are on base for you. So one guy could have 150, you know, chances at with runners in scoring position. The other guy only has 75. It's not fair. True. Totally agree with that. But let's go through that. Runners in scoring position. Hosmer's hitting 391. Renfro, 184. Runners in scoring position with two outs. Hosmer, 438. Renfro, 125. Okay. Well, how about just runners on? Because to me, hitting with runners on is almost just as value. It's not as value as runners in scoring position, but it's pretty damn close. Hosmer, 310. Renfro, 217. Okay, well, because Hosmer has 81 RBIs and Renfro has 61, Hosmer must have much more opportunities with runners in scoring position than Renfro. Runners in scoring position at bats. Hosmer, 87. Renfro, 76. And I believe that's changed today because I know Renfro had a bunch of them today, and I don't think he did shit. So that could even be closer in that. So only 11 more at-bats has Hosmer had with runners in scoring position, yet he has 20 RBIs more. So you're telling me in the, the, the next 11 at-bats with runners in scoring position, Renfro's going to get up to 20? Fuck, or 20 more RBIs? Fuck no. Especially not with a, you know, um, a batting average of 184 with runners in scoring position. It's just too much into the, oh, well, his slugging is 540 and Hosmer's is 454. True. I mean, that's all great and everything, but to me, Hosmer is being a productive offensive player this year. When you're, you got 81 RBIs and people dismiss that like it, like it means nothing. You don't just get 81 RBIs, you know, without hitting with runners on, man, at this point in the season. You you could bat you know in Colorado and and be on you know a team that's going to score a bunch of runs and, and have eighty one RBIs at this point in the season, but if you're hitting with runners in scoring position like two forty or something, that just means that you had just had a bunch of opportunities. Guy's hitting three ninety one. I even had that one guy. I'm not going to give out his Twitter handle, but he told me Hosmer he's really not that clutch. I don't know why you think he's clutch. The guy's hitting 391 with runners in scoring position. He's not clutch. He's hitting 438 with runners in scoring position with two outs. He's not clutch. He's not an offensive, you know, productive player. Get the fuck out of here, dude. So when you when you when you say 
that his war's this, his war's that. War, war to me is a, a defensive stat, and it's you know I think war is center fielders, shortstops, and catchers. They get so much more goddamn credit for their wars because of the positions they play. You want to judge it like that? That's fine. Judge it like that. But when I when I see a hitter like Hosmer being productive all season long, basically he had a really bad uh, April. And after April, whenever he went in the sauna, 420, he, he's had a really good season offensively. I, I think people are kind of... You know, I mean, defensively, he's sucked. I'm not saying he hasn't been. But offensively, you cannot tell me he hasn't been productive. When people say, oh, he's only uh, 5% better than the league average offensively because of his WRC+. plus," I just think that's crap. I think it's crap. I think it's a made-up thing. I, I just, I don't, you know. And another thing is, I don't know if this is what WRC plus does, but let's say there's a guy at second, okay, and there's nobody out. And Hosmer comes up and he moves him over to third. And then the next guy, you know, gets a sack fly. I don't know if WRC Plus is giving, you know, Hosmer a little, a little, bit, of, little bit of points there. Because he, he did help bring in the run. Because we know Renfro never moves runners over. Hosmer, you know, is going to do that a little bit more than Renfro. I'm not saying that either one of them does it a lot. And they, and they really shouldn't be trying to do that a lot. Because they should be trying to drive in runs. But... I mean, well, it's not like Renfro steals. It's not like he's creating runs stealing. It's not like he's creating runs by his on-base percentage. So where is he creating a better WRC plus? Home runs? Great. Solo shots? I'm not going to circle jerk solo shots. You guys want to circle jerk solo shots? Fine. But you tell me who had a better day. If they both come up with the bases loaded and Hosmer gets a single and drives in two runs... Renfro hits into a double play with the bases loaded, but his next at-bat, Hosmer strikes out, and Renfro hits a solo home run. You tell me You tell me who had the better game. To me, it's going to be Hosmer because he brought in two runs, and they had the same opportunities, right? Well, War and WRC Plus is going to get out the lotion and just circle jerk to Renfro's solo home run. So you got to put it all in perspective. I mean, I... Maybe I'm completely wrong on this. I, I don't think I am because I, I just see a very productive hitter all season long in Hosmer. And I see Padre Twitter make it like he, he's just garbage. Stop making it just because he had a terrible offensive season last year and labeling him a bad offensive player this year. Defensively, I, I, there's nothing you can defend on him defensively. Now, when Tatis makes a throwing error, it's not on Hosmer. Okay. And another thing is, Galvis didn't have problems throwing to Hosmer this year, or last year. Machado doesn't have a problem throwing to him. So everyone's, well, he's not positioned right, he, he didn't stretch here, he's not Inspector Gadget and didn't fucking go, gad, go Gadget Arms. You know, come on, man. Be realistic, be reasonable, stop it, having your favoritism to players and shit. It's, it's, it's pathetic, really. It's really pathetic. You know... I don't know why people do do it that way. It's hard to trust people when you do that shit. You just lose credibility to me. So, anyways, but I think the Padres, in the end, I think the Padres are going to be fine. I think they'll be really good next year. They need to get a manager. 
that's the first thing. If you told me they just got a manager and they signed Tatis to an extension this offseason, I'd be ecstatic. You know, you could go get a borderline, you know, pitcher. And, and, and that's another thing, too. Fowler came on the radio and was, like, basically saying they're going to get a starting pitcher. And there's there's idiots still coming on after the interview. And, oh, Fowler's just said he's not going to spend money. Where the fuck did he say that? He didn't say that. He said... He said that they would try to trade for a pitcher first, and if they didn't trade him, he said they 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 would look into the market to try to sign one. And Padre Twitter, because they have their narrative, oh this this ownership's cheap and this and that, and they just got these narratives, and it's like, oh they're cheap, so he just said that they're not going to sign anyone. That's not even close to what he said. That interview made me more encouraged that they're definitely going to go get someone. It seems like they're trying to speed up the process. I personally, I know people have been so impa- or so patient with this team. I don't think you really need to speed up the process because 2021, I don't think you're going to need pitching. Like, you could have Paddock, Gore, Quantrill, Lament, Patino, Weathers by two, I mean... Like, you might not need pitching. Like, if you just... The only way you're going to get one of these big-time starting pitchers is if you trade a Weathers and something else. You know, two other guys. And I just feel like it might... What are you, what are you pushing it for? Because I don't think in 2020 they're ever going to be a contender for the World Series. I don't... I mean, I don't see how they can do that. They, they could make the playoffs. I could see that. But contender for the World Series? I don't know. And... I know some people were talking about like, well, what do you do for Tatis? Do you sign him or do you wait? Some people were saying, well, if you wait, that gives you an opportunity to sign other players and you could put all your chips into it like like for two seasons. I personally wouldn't do that. I'd try to make this a five, seven-year run. And if you continue to make the playoffs year in and year out for five, seven straight years, I think you'll knock the door down eventually. And I think... You know, I think playoffs baseball could be luck one year. It could just be right matchups, what have you. You know, ball bounces your way. You get a hot pitcher, whatever. If you're consistently in it, I think eventually you'll you'll win it. So that's all I got. But you know, just judge the player however you want. If you like him or not, that's fine. I don't care. But to play. Him, to have narratives and have oh I don't like this player so therefore he's he's not he's wrong on that play or he messed up I mean that's just that's chicken shit in my opinion but anyways all right till the next time good night now.